Welcome back to the Jay and Kale Show, presented to you by 104.9 WPXN. Paxton, Rand, Tool, Jay, what's going on? Oh, not a lot. Lots of exciting stuff this week. Uh, just coming off a nice long podcast for everybody, our last episode. Uh, we got some Illini basketball, and obviously Super Bowl Sunday. It's always good stuff. Absolutely, Jay. We got a lot on the slate for today. Um, once again, we're recording on Wednesday, uh, so this will be out on Friday. But with some stuff that we uh, both got to get done this uh, Thursday, and I'm going to the Illini game Thursday night, I won't be around to record, so we're doing it a day early. But let's let's get right into it. How's it sound? That sounds like a plan to me. All right, we're going to kick it off with some MLB conversations. We got to talk. We got to talk some Astros, and we got to talk some Cubs. Um, so let's start off with the Astros. Dusty Baker was named the Astros manager for this season. Um, one-year deal. I didn't see an actual number uh, attached to that one-year deal. I just saw that he was awarded the position. Uh, so I don't know how I feel about it. Dusty obviously has had a pretty good career. Yeah, a really good career. I mean, honestly, I think the Astros are just kind of trying to bridge the gap and hopefully kind of – past the time to where all this bad stuff surrounding that organization will blow over. And I really think Dusty's a pretty good fit. I mean, he's a player's manager. Guys have talked about in the past really liking to play for him. And now he's a guy who interacts well with the team. And, you know, hopefully he'll uh, keep the morale up in that clubhouse, you know, regardless of cheating being wrong and all that, which I obviously don't agree with, you know, for the guys that, weren't a part of it and it wasn't necessarily their fault i think dusty's a good guy to kind of rally around and hopefully he'll get those guys motivated and we'll see what the astros do in this upcoming season dusty as a career manager has had a pretty or for his career as a manager uh hasn't had a bad one um hasn't been great by any means uh 10 years with the giants four years with the cubs six with the reds two with the nationals Total of 22 years. Um, Career-wise, he's 1,863 and 1,636 for a 5.32 win percentage with two pennants. In 2002, he won one with the Giants and then he won – or excuse me, one pennant, just with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's just been around the game. You know, like you said, 22 years of managing. I'm pretty sure he played for 17, 18, 19 years, somewhere around there. I mean, he's been around. He's seen a lot of things baseball-wise. You know, you got to think a guy like Dusty's very wise. He, you know, believe it or not, I don't know if people know it, you know, when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record, Dusty Baker was in the on-deck circle ready to hit right after him. Absolutely. And then, you know, uh, behind that, he gets to manage a guy like Barry Bonds who breaks Hank Aaron's record who he played with and – he was the manager of the Cubs during the Steve Bartman game. And, you know, Dusty's been around. He's seen a lot of stuff. So, Dusty with the Cubs, he was there for four years. He was 322 and 326. Four games shy of 500. Um, man, the, the, the Dusty years, I was pretty young still in my Cubs fandom. But – there was, those were some rough ones. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was kind of a stretch where Chicago was kind of, you know, moving pieces around quite a bit and really kind of trying to find an identity about themselves. And Dusty just kind of got caught up in the middle of all of it. And then, you know, they have actually a good year thrown in there during the playoffs. And obviously the whole Steve Bartman thing happens and we have the curse and all that. And I mean, you know, there was – Definitely some highs and lows in his four years as manager for the Cubs, and I think the record shows that, as you said, just just a little bit above 500 or shy of, I should say. 
Yeah, he was four games shy of being 500 and win loss percentage in the postseason. Though he's five, he's six and six in the postseason with the Cubs. All in all, he had a he had a losing record in the postseason with the Giants as a manager at 11 and 13, but he won a pennant no two. Yeah, that's just I feel like kind of as the dark cloud that follows Dusty is he's managed some pretty good teams, but essentially never really been able to get over the hump. He's managed some bad ones, too. That, too. <laughs> All right, so that's Dusty Baker's uh, career there. Um, he's – oh, one more note. I, I compiled a bunch of stuff on this throughout the day. He ranks 15th in career wins, says managers. So, I mean, that's a pretty notable feat. Yeah, it's a quiet number 15 for sure. All right, speaking of the Cubs – I'm sure you saw it today. Uh, Chris Bryant lost his grievance case. Uh, him and Scott Boris struck out, the lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, so now the Cubs have two more two more years of control for Chris Bryant. Um, it means nothing but good things for the Cubs where they sit right now. If they're talking about trading him, now's the time to do it, or at least before the All-Star break this year while you can still get a hole for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely some positive things for the Cubs if they're going to keep him around. Um, I know we've already seen some rumors buzz-wise, obviously. Not sure how legit it is, but there's some people talking about Arenado who really wants to get out of Colorado, possibly being a straight-up kind of thing, him for Bryant. I mean, that's fresh. I wouldn't take that. I would take that with a grain of salt. But I've seen that from a couple di- couple different platforms. But like you said, if he sticks around, it's nothing good for – nothing but good things for Chicago, especially for the fan base, you know, with David Ross coming in, and that's already exciting for them. You know, obviously he was a big-time face and a player that was highly respected in the Cubs fan base. And just to have another guy like Bryant stick around, you know, I think it would be be very, very good, like you said, for Chicago Cubs baseball. Well, he's an MVP. He's an NL Rookie of the Year. Um. He's a franchise third baseman. I just don't think it's here for yeah. two reasons. Sorry, I'm trying to get my thoughts together. No, you're um, I here's here's yeah, the Arenado stuff really intrigues me. Although I seriously think that he's going to end up in St. Louis. I really do. I still think that. Um, I see the Cubs if they were to trade him. Now I'm I'm talking negative on Chris Bryant, but I'm not a Chris Bryant guy. He's he's too streaky for me. Um, Go all in on Mookie Betts. And I think Betts would be a perfect straight-up trade. No cast consideration, nothing. Just straight-up trade for Mookie Betts. What, I mean, am I – No, I don't I mean, think I'm too obviously off. A, no, obviously that's a hole that needs to be filled in the outfield with Castellanos going to the Reds. You know, Yeah, we're not going to talk about that either. Yeah, I didn't think we would. I figured you'd be pretty hot about that. But. We're going to skip right over it because I'm going to – we're pretty known for rants, so. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Mookie Betts in the straight-up trade, I feel like, would make more sense, you know, because if – you know, or maybe if you can find some other pieces that you can give away for Mookie Betts and you're able to find a way to keep Chris Bryant. Yeah, uh, keep him in the infield, and you don't have to worry about moving people around the outfield if you can get a guy like Mookie Betts. I mean, I'm not sure how long of a deal it would be. Might be a year or two long thing if Mookie's up for it, you know, to make a run at World Series. But I'm assuming with where Mookie's at, he's probably looking for a pretty lengthy contract and some money. So is Bryant, and that's why he tried to go into this whole deal. But um. The money works for Mookie and Chris Bryant, which that's just a tough name. Anybody named Mookie is right up there in my book. But uh, <laughs> And then Arenado, I like him. I just think uh, Betts is a more complete player than Arenado. But once in that situation, I think you're comparing apples to oranges. And yeah, uh, no, Mookie agree. Betts and Arenado. Yeah, I mean, obviously you get a little more foot speed with Mookie Betts. I mean – which the Cubs are lacking severely. They have right. Javi and Nico Horner. Some more foot speed with Mookie. Obviously, you're not giving up anything arm-wise. I mean, he's got a great arm. He can play great defense. I mean, he honestly, I would say Mookie at his best is probably a little more valuable than a guy yeah. like Nolan Arenado. 
I agree too, uh, because well, like we, uh, you and I are old-fashioned baseball guys. We like to see RBIs over long balls. Don't get me wrong; we both like the long balls. We've talked about that before. But Mookie Betts can do both. He can hit 30, 40 home runs in a year and still knock in a hundred to hundred and five. Absolutely, and he can steal bases, and you know he can do a lot of things. You're right. I mean, I would say, as far as a guy who I would be after big time, if I had the money, it would be Mookie Betts. So anyway, vacant outfield spots. Yeah, the the best outfielder we got is far and above Jason Hayward. Even though this yeah. year offensively he had a lot better year at the plate, but I, I, I I'm a big Jason Hayward guy, not for his plate appearances, because um, I kind of know what to expect at this point in his career. He's got a lot to fix. Whether he fixes it or not, it's kind of getting too late in his career for that. But he can still turn it around. His leadership ability. And his just absolute cannon that he has uh, in the outfield. He can spray anybody from the back wall, 400 dead center to the plate. Absolutely. The- I'm a big Jason Hayward fan. You know, I I really wish that he would have stayed in St. Louis back before he uh, made the jump to Chicago. And, you know, I know everybody was kind of upset with him in Chicago right off the bat. I know he didn't hit great, but, you know, People got to realize, like, even when this guy was at his best, he might have hit 285, 290, and, you know, 15 to 20 home runs a year. It wasn't right. really like he was, you know, an MVP caliber type offensive statistic guy. Absolutely. But I, I agree with you. I like him for his, you know, he, his leadership and his ability to understand the game and get guys to rally around him and stuff like that. As the so, as a Cubs fan uh, for myself and as an NL Central fan for yourself, I know we'll both be following Brian pretty hard, maybe because it's going to sting for me if he ends up leaving. But it's going to be nice for the NL Central as a whole and the Cardinals fan like yourself. And that's got to feel pretty good if he leaves, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a huge, huge uh, weight lifted off an opposing team's shoulder. But, you know, just a quick note, we're talking about NL Central. Somebody better get a hold of the Cincinnati Reds, man. They're making <laughs> right. And, you know, essentially there's four teams that could win the NL Central this year. And there's also four teams that could finish really good or finish really bad. You just don't know. I mean, us as in the Cubs, the Cardinals, Milwaukee, and then now Cincinnati. They're making moves left and right. I'm, they, I mean, they got to be on everyone's radar. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, well, let's talk about it then. Um, Nick Castellanos signed a four-year, I believe, $65 million deal. Uh, good for Nick. I kind of expected that's what he was going to get. It was good. I was either expecting four years, 60, or a 770 uh, mm-hmm. kind of deal for him. Just The fact that the Cubs couldn't pay him a 465 or a 770 just leaves me in a darker hole than I was already in, if that makes sense. And now you pair Castellanos with Dietrich. Uh, Votto, they have Trevor Bauer on the mound now. Uh, Suarez, uh, that team's going to be pretty tough. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Reds have kind of been a team, like, over the last three, four, or five years, they really have not been that bad pitching-wise. They've just kind of really never been able to put it all together. They've always had pretty good parts. And then, you know, they go out and they sign a guy like Puig, who obviously – you know, it wasn't like an extremely impact-type player, but, I mean, he's a guy who obviously brings some attention to that offensive lineup. And like you said, they've had a couple people that have gotten better and better. And, I mean, with their moves that they've made, I mean, I, I they really do. They make me nervous, honestly. Are they contenders? It's tough to say to make a jump like that. I mean, I would like to think that, they have got to be close. close yeah. I mean, they're as close as it's going to get to be a contender. I mean, they're about yeah, where I mean, the White Sox know, were at a felt like two years ago. They're about in that, that point. Right. So they had a bat in Castellanos. And, you know, earlier in December, they had Mike Moustakis. He's a free agent. They get Tucker Barnhart back off of uh, ACL or think ACL surgery. He's going to be a hundred percent. Their catcher, right. he can he can rake. You know, they get a guy like Kevin Gosman, 
out of free agency who's not been a bad player. He's nothing crazy, but he, I mean, he'll be able to contribute. And I mean, it's just they, you know, they've done a lot of different stuff. Yeah, it, it, I, if you can't tell, we're both itching for baseball to start. It's per, that's pretty apparent. Amen to that. Pitchers and catchers, week a week out. Let's uh, move on to the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll follow the Chris Bryant stuff pretty close, especially when baseball season starts. I, I just I, I want it to be here, but I don't want to wish uh, my life away. <laughs> Amen um, to that. Super Bowl, Kansas City versus San Francisco. I've got two pages of notes that I took. Oh man. So let's start with some spreads and some and some if you're follow any of that. The over under for this game opens at fifty four and a half. If I had to pick one, I'm taking the over. Just basically yeah. because Jimmy Garoppolo and their their offense and I I got some statistics on that as well. Uh Patrick Mahomes and his Nanny Reed and that system and their ability to run the RPO. Uh, 54 and a half seems relatively low. I would agree. Two high-powered offenses. I mean... High-powered defenses at the same time, though, too. Right, that's true. I mean, I know we've talked about San Francisco's defensive front in the past, and I mean, I think it's all going to ride mainly on that four-man rush from each squad because your defensive backs and Linebackers are going to be caught up with a lot of moving parts offensively, especially for San Francisco. Kansas City's just got so many weapons. But, yeah, I would say 54. I would say that is a little low. I would agree with that. Spread uh, is one and a half, un- under one and a half, uh, Kansas City. So, Kansas City's at minus one and a half? Yeah. Really? I uh, so obviously think it's going to be a pretty good game then. It hopefully, unlike last year, I love defensive battles, but we got to see one of those last year. A ten to what was a thirteen ten game at the final. Um, this year, I wouldn't mind seeing a fifty fifty four point game at all. If yeah. it if it blows the over, whatever. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Kansas City money line or hundred under uh, minus one fifteen. The 49ers are plus 105. So, if you're taking money lines, there's your money lines. Uh, I'm only really doing this because it's the Super Bowl. Um, plus 105, that's kind of too good to pass. But the Chiefs and what their ability is to do on the offensive end or offensive side of the ball, ah, that's tough. I would agree. I still can't get over that. I still can't get over that Kansas City's at minus one and a half. That's a that's a tough number football wise. You know what I'm yeah. saying? One and yeah. a half. Yeah. You don't see that a ton. I'm eager to see if I don't switch within the remainder of the week or not. But it, it's only Wednesday for you and I. I'm sure that's going to change. That's just yeah. what I saw it at today. But if you no, got it, I, I'm glad you saw that. I didn't even think about that stuff. This is a good that you brought that up because obviously I'm looking to throw some dough down this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's get into some facts. Obviously, we know who's in it. Um, obviously, the Chiefs and the Niners have never met in the Super Bowl, but this is the second meeting, meeting between both cities in a championship game. 2014 World Series, the Royals and the Giants played. Mm-hmm. Fact number two, Kansas City is in a 50-year drought which now leaves the Lions, the Jets, and the Vikings, I believe, for now the longest – or the Browns, not the not the Vikings, the Browns, um, in the longest uh, droughts. Now, let's see. Super Bowl four was the last time Kansas City won. They beat the Vikings in that matchup. Um, wow. That was in 1970, and that is their only championship. Super Bowl four to fifty four, huh? Yeah, f- exactly fifty years. Let's see if I can read my own handwriting. Uh, if the Niners win, this is kind of cool information. If the Forty ers win the Super Bowl, they will tie New England and Pittsburgh for more su- most Super Bowl wins with six. Hard to believe the Niners have five, but you know you got the Montana and Steve Young years. 
Yeah, absolutely. Jerry Rice thrown in there, receiver. And I'll tell you what, I mean, if San Fran can keep some guys around, they might overtake the Patriots and the Steelers here in the next few years, too. So they got a, They're about in the same spot the Ravens are. They got a yep. lot of guys under contract. They're young, and they got a quarterback that ain't going anywhere. That's true. Lots of exciting things, especially roster-wise for San Fran. Andy Reid will be the 24th head coach in history to coach in two different Super Bowls with two different teams. Really? The Big Red Machine. The the Eagles? Yeah, the Eagles with the McNabb era. Yeah. I got two more. Kansas City is the second best in pass offense. The 49ers are second best in pass defense. Ooh. So can Mahomes and Andy Reid find some holes and run their RPO like they have all year in the 49ers, which their backfield's pretty dominant. Even though he's getting older, Richard Sherman, Crabtree ain't got nothing on me. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that makes me nervous back there. I would agree. I mean, not only is Richard Sherman, you know, you would like to think that he's going to be ready. He's going to have the rest of the secondary ready to go as well. I mean, he's a guy who's been here and played in the Super Bowl and is no stranger to the big stage and being matched up with the best of the best. And I'm eager to see how it all shakes out because, I mean, Mahomes is a real deal and he's proven that he can – make just about any throw that has to be made professional quarterback-wise. So, I really do. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I do, too. I got one more fact for you. This is kind of fun. It involves the game itself, but it involves a different aspect of the game. 120 footballs, 120 footballs are normally used in each Super Bowl game. And I'm sure, unlike the New England Patriots, they're all going to be inflated properly. (laughs) But think about that, 120 footballs in one game? So they're essentially, they're switching them out. Every play. Or every, uh, yeah, it had to be every play, almost. So that's 120 total, so... Yeah, I mean, it has. They're they're not on the field very long if they're using all 120. Because we talked about it with when the Ravens and the Titans played. The Ravens obviously run a few more plays than your average NFL offense. Right. They ran like 90 plays, and Tennessee ran 50. So that's I mean that's 140 total plays of, about. But yeah, I mean. I would say just about every play, you're right, or every drive at least. Every every drive. I would go with every drive. They're using a new football. And you got to think every time they throw one out of bounds, every time a kicker comes out, and then you get a field goal unit, there's different balls for different situations when you're punting and then as opposed to place kicking. I I didn't really – when I, I saw that statistic, I couldn't really th- believe – that they use 120 footballs per Super Bowl. So that kind of leaves me wondering, how many do they use per game? Yeah, that's crazy. Is it just 120 because of the – with the fact that we're debating how many super footballs they use in the Super Bowl is kind of, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, but still, you're right. <laughs> I, I never knew that. <laughs> it's uh, kind of mind-boggling. So, yeah, um, let's make some picks. Uh-oh. This time – because it's Wednesday, we got this is uh, our recording day. Um, then I got a whole bunch of stuff on college basketball. It's kind of why I'm pushing this through. Uh, so once again, my apologies. We're not going in depth as we should, but um, I picked the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. No, I didn't. I picked the Ravens. Did you pick the Niners? No, I picked the Ravens as well. Yeah, that's right. But we both had the Niners and the Ravens in the Super Bowl, I think. Or yep. did you have the? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going against the 49ers, and I'm going with the Chiefs and the Big Red Machine and Andy Reid. So you're all right. I I don't I don't dislike the pick. I just I uh, I'd like to think that the one veteran in the secondary is going to be able to <laughs> keep guys tied down enough for a guy like Nick Bosa and his defensive front to get after Mahomes a little bit and. 
I think if they can get Mahomes on the move, it's going to be a little tougher for him to shred a defense than it would be if he can stand in that pocket for an extended amount of time. So I'm I'm going with Jimmy G and that Niners defense. I forgot one thing when since we're on football. Um, this was uh, obviously it's media week uh, for the, this is like the one of the biggest media weeks of the year. Um, Roger Goodell talked with a couple news outlets today in Miami. Uh, he addressed a variety of topics during his annual address, including the following. The prospect of changing the regular season from 16 games to 17 as owners have proposed to the players during negotiations on a new collective bargaining agreement. I don't hate it. Yeah. So they're going to add a regular season game, but the postseason is going to stay the same. They're going to have a log card. Are they going to get rid of something like that or what? Is that essentially going to that would have to be all talked about in the bargaining agreement because they'd have to get rid of the wild card. Here's what I think they should do instead of adding 17 or add one extra. Add two extra, give everybody another buy. So you play 18 games but get two buys. You play, yeah. play, play two less preseason games. So instead of four, you're playing two. Nobody watches preseason football anyway. Play two preseason games. You get two buys but 18 games. Right, for sure. And then I- – that- yeah, that yeah. that would keep the wild card and the divisional rounds as well as the championship rounds all the same. You just get two extra games. So that's and what else did he say? He brought up uh his some of his future plans. Uh he's Goodell turns sixty one next month. And has been the commissioner of the NFL since 06. Hasn't thought about retiring. Uh, he says it's not on his agenda. And he's committed to his job. He says he's one day closer to retiring than he was yesterday, but he's 100% committed. He also said the league's investigation into the New England Patriots submittedly illegal videotaping the Cincinnati Bengals sideline during a game. So they're going over that as well. You still there? Yeah, you there? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, oh. That's kind of a topic I forgot about, the Patriots taping sidelines. Yeah. Or potentially taping sidelines, I should say. Yeah. Uh, the video that uh, – I can't remember the guy's name, but he works for Fox that he got a hold of, pretty clear and apparent that they were uh, taping signals on the sideline of that game. Oh, yeah. Did you see that floating around Twitter? I did, yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty apparent that old Belichick will do just about whatever it takes to win. So, Including cheating. Yeah. Unfortunately. So that's the negative on that. But, uh, no, the, I'm kind of excited to see how they're going to rework the season if they give us an extra game or an extra two games. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I think it's a good idea. The layout that you had, giving everybody another buy and a couple more games, I, I really feel like it could only make things more interesting, honestly. And it's just just more football, right? Yep. Amen. All right. So I'm picking the Chiefs. You got the Niners. Let's uh, move into some NCAA uh, talk. We got two Illini games we got to break down. Obviously, the Thursday game against Minnesota will have been played. We won't have any coverage of that. But we're going to talk about it. I'll probably go ahead and drop this episode tonight. So, uh, and then just let, we'll let everybody know that there will be no episode on Friday. Um, as we have some other commitments to take care of, Jay and I. But first uh, pressing thing, uh, Kobe King, who was a guard for the Wisconsin Badgers, is stepping away from the team midseason. And in, social me- in a social media post, he just said that it wasn't – I don't know what the exact reasoning was. They didn't say that it wasn't the right fit. He just said the program was not for him. Whether that's uh, family-related or an issue that he's dealing with, I wish him the best. But if it's not, just because it's not the right fit for him, don't step out on your team midseason as they're trying to make a tournament run, and you're a key aspect to that. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I I hope there's uh, an underlying issue here that's a lot bigger than the game of basketball. Right. You know, I mean, I don't – 
I don't. I guess I should rephrase that. I'm not wishing anything terrible upon this guy, but like you said, if you're upset because you're on a Wisconsin team that is, for lack of a better term, very, very on the bubble. Yeah, on the bubble, and you know, a lower tier team compared to what you really think of when you think of Wisconsin basketball in the last decade. Yeah, the Bo Ryan teams. Yeah, I just – I really hope he's not jumping ship because he feels like he's too good for that squad. And, you know, based on his statements and stuff that I read, it seems like he has his head in the right place. He definitely gave Wisconsin a lot of credit and talked about growing up in Wisconsin and wanting to be a part of the Badger program. And, you know, but also the head coach, I think it's Coach – is it Gare or Gard or Greg Gard? Yeah, Gard. Um, I know his response was, you know, there's a little bit of sternness in there. He's, you know, a little confusing, obviously, why he's stepping away in the middle of the year, especially the Big but, Ten season, right? And he said, but you know, I, he wishes him the best, and so yeah, I'm, and you know, I guess we don't, maybe we don't get to know what's going on with Kobe King, and I guess that's his right to keep it from everybody, but I'm with you. If he's jumping ship midseason because he doesn't feel like his team's where they should be, and he feels he's better, that's that's bogus. Yeah, that's uh, – I was going to use another term, but I'm glad you got to it before I did. <laughs> um, so, once again, I like you're saying, that's a touchy way to word it. I hope he's not stepping away because of how the season's gone for the Badgers. I – hope everything's okay with Kobe King, but at the same time, if he is stepping away, if it's family related, then my heart goes out to him and his family, whatever situation they're dealing with, but we don't know for sure. Right. Um, anyway, the, uh, let's see. The Illini take on the Golden Gophers Thursday, so tomorrow at 6.30. Uh, the Gophers this year are playing a lot better ball than they have in the years past. Uh, Richard Patino, uh, not Rick, Richard, um, has his squad playing good basketball. Uh, they have potentially the Big Ten Player of the Year in Daniel Oturu. I talked a little bit about that last episode. Georgie and Kofi are going to have to find a way to stop him in order to win that game, especially on home court. Yeah, and do so without fouling. You know, obviously we've seen not that Kofi's not a mobile big guy at seven foot, two hundred ninety pounds, but you know, a guy like Teske gave him some problems. And Oturu's a lot slimmer and a lot quicker with his feet than Teske is, which is right. where George, Georgie's going to have to step up. Georgie's probably going to be pulling a lot of those minutes and pull out a Turu assignment. Right, exactly. Which I think is probably more appropriate. That way, you can let Kofi kind of patrol the lane as he always does and that's kind of you know where he gets the majority of his block shots is when he's off of you know some of those better players or you know able to kind of patrol a little more rather than guard the big man who has the ball in his hands all the time absolutely um let's see i was listening or i was able to uh get to Underwood's presser today when he was talking about the week and the games coming up. Um, he had nothing but praise for DeMonte Williams shutting down uh, Isaiah Livers or and Jordan Poole in a couple spots. Uh, DeMonte on the defensive end in that game was huge. He's going to have to come up huge again. Yep. And like we talked about, that's a guy who I – really feel like he's kind of stepped into his role and understand, understands what is expected of him, and he knows that night in, night out, he might be able to sacrifice a little bit of offensive productivity for, you know, locking people down, and I think he's done well enough and earned that reputation for teams that walk into the State Farm Center or see us on the schedule or whatever that, you know, if I'm a better player, I better expect that I'm going to draw Demonte Williams, and when he's in the game, He's going to be, you know, up in my jock strap for 6'3, but a seven, seven. Absolutely. DeMonte is standing six foot three inch frame, seven foot wingspan almost. And like you said before, he had a horrific knee injury. He was sitting on a set of springs 
but he can still lock you down defensively. And like you say, he's going to get in your jock strap. And if he pulls that Oturu assignment, whereas they have to shove DeMonte down to the four like, like they did a few times in that Michigan State game, it wouldn't necessarily bug me because at least he's he's strong. He's tough. He's not going to back down. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I'm eager to see what Minnesota has game plan-wise. You got to stop counting. Right, depending on who guards, who guards who, you know, if they're going to try to take some of their big guys out towards the perimeter and open things up for people, you know, or, or if it's going to be more of a drill drive type thing and kick, I'm, I'm really kind of eager to see what Patino has in store for this Atlanta defense. I'm guessing it's going to be the one thing, Trent's hot right now. They're going to shut down Io and then make Trent take over. I would I would have to think that after the last stretch, um, five games, Io's got a quite a big target on his back from here on out. So he's going to have to earn everything he gets, and everybody else has got to be ready. Which you know I'm I don't think they're they're there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't think they're you know not capable. So I think they're definitely in a spot where people can step up. And if we have one guy that doesn't play as well, we should have two or three that are ready to go. And I mean, we get Alan Griffin back, so that's always good too. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to open up some of the offense. Yeah. All right, so let's go through some of the Big Ten rankings real quick before we get into one of the, the things I have planned. It's going to take us a minute. Um, scoring offense, I have the rankings for all of the statistics. I found them, finally, after digging all day. Um, <laughs> stuff's not easy to find. Um, scoring offense, Iowa's first, Penn State is two, Michigan's third, Michigan State, excuse me, is third, Michigan's fourth, Illinois is fifth. Um, they Illini have scored 1,508 points on the year. Iowa, who's up top, has scored 1,591. Illinois is averaging 74, just under 75 and a half a game. Um, scoring margin, Illinois is third with a plus 10. So that's always good to see. Free throw percentage, Illinois ranks fifth, which last year they were in the latter half. They were down around 12 or 13. Big, big part of the Big Ten game. You got to make free throws, man. Every bucket counts. Field goal percentage, Illinois is second. They're sh- right now they're shooting uh, 465 on the year. Credit IO. Uh, field goal percentage defense, Illinois is uh, ranked seventh in that. Three point shooting percentage. Yiker, stinker. Are you ready for this? Twelve. <laughs> 12th. Uh-oh. 3.313 on the season. Uh, three, uh, three point field goals made for the Illini, 110 on 351 attempts. Stinker. Yeah. You know who the best free throw shooting team is in the Big Ten? I'm assuming it's somebody I'm, uh, that I'm not going to say. Give me your best guess. I'd have to say it's somebody like Indiana. Indiana is thirteenth. <laughs> they're worse Lord. than they're they're worse than Illinois. I give you one uh, more crack real. before I tell you. I give you one more crack. Northwestern. Well, they're eighth. You're moving up. Uh, oh, there we go. Ohio State. Oh. They're first in three-point field goal percentage this season um, as of right now. They must but, not take very many. Oh, I'm going to blow your mind. Um, they've made the most in the Big Ten, and they've taken the most. 175 of 458. Good Lord. They're, what, f- f- 40 shy almost of – just a little under 40 shy of – over 40 shy of six or five, 400 or geez, 500 shots. That Crazy. is an astronomical number, but they're shooting talk uh, about living and dying by it. 0.382% is what they're shooting back there on, on the season. Uh, three point percentage on defense. The Illini are in eighth. So they're the eighth best team in the big 10 at uh, 
guarding the perimeter. Uh, let's see. Illinois leads the Big Ten in rebounding margin. They're at plus 9-8. So, uh, thanks to Kofi for that. Illinois ranks 12th in block shots. A rebounding, let's see, assists. Illinois is 8th with uh, 14 a game, 280 on the season. Steals, Illinois is at 13th, but that's because they have uh, leaned away from the denied defense, if you watch from last year. They do, don't really deny the ball as much as they used to. Seems like it's paying off, too. Turnover margin, Illinois is 12th with a negative one. Nebraska is leading, which this is a category you don't want to lead. They're at plus three. Oh. The team that turns over the ball the least is Michigan State at 1.3. Uh, they turn it over just under 12 or just under 13 times a game. Illinois turns it over um, 13.1. Michigan State's at 12.7. Huh. Now I'm diving deep on you. I know this is a lot of stats, but it took no, me a while. You're good. It took me a while to find this, so I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> um, Heck yeah. Illinois, this is one of my favorite uh saber metrics in basketball, assist to turnover ratio. Illinois is at a one point one, which is tenth in the Big Ten. They have 280 assists to 262 turnovers at a 13.1 average per game. So there's the, there's the advanced Saber metrics. I can go deeper, but <laughs> I, I've got eight pages of stuff. That's crazy. One of my classes got postponed today. One of my classes got postponed today, so – I had some uh, had some free time. All right. So the Illini play tomorrow night against Minnesota. Need to protect home court. And then for Super Bowl Sunday's packed. So hopefully the Super Bowl doesn't take too long so we can get something recorded Sunday afternoon. Um, if we're not busy, we'll talk about it off air, but off of the show. Might have to do something Saturday just in case. Uh, but – Hopefully, I'd like to do it after the Super Bowl if we can. If we can't, no big deal. We'll just have to wait. Um, big day, though. Illinois goes out to Iowa. Uh, Iowa City, Luca Garza, they're always tough to play out there. It's one of the best uh, road environments in the Big Ten, right behind Purdue and Michigan State. Um, so, once again, if you can win on the road, you don't have to. If you can win at home on, on Thursday, you're good. Tomorrow night, if you don't lose tomorrow night, you got to win. We've got to win Sunday morning. Yeah, I would uh, like to think that we're going to be ready to play at home. Hopefully, we can take care of business. And then, obviously, Fran McCaffrey and his squad out there in Iowa, they're always ready to go. And just another a um, lot of pride out there in that state of Iowa for, you know, University of Iowa sports, coach football, basketball, baseball. It always seems like they're never amazing but never bad. Never, yeah, they're never bad. You know, they're always a team that's in contention and they're right in the middle of the pack. I think, but it's say Iowa came out at like 18th this week. Top 18th. Illinois cracked the top 20 for the first time in forever. Yeah. So, you know, we have an 18 19 matchup. So, you know, two teams you'd like to think were, you know, pretty evenly matched. And I know Iowa's got a couple of, you know, senior players. One at guard position. I can't remember his name. What's his name? Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon. Yep, Jordan Bohannon's been around and he knows the system. And, you know, it's it, that'll be a good test on Sunday. But, yeah, I'm with you. We need to take care of business on Thursday and give ourselves a little bit of leeway. So, once again, hopefully Sunday we can get something recorded. We'll talk about the Illini game and obviously the Super Bowl. I've been anticipating this all day. Um, I told you I had something planned for us. I texted you a picture of a grid. Uh, yeah. Told you I wanted your mind to wander a little bit as to what we're doing. I have a snake draft built for us for the remainder of the Big Ten season. I put our names, since it's just you and I, there's 14 teams, we get seven teams, right? All right. 
there is, I put our names in a random generator online. I put your name and my name and we're going to do it snake style. Your name came out first in that random generator. So therefore you get the first pick of what I'm about to tell you. Okay. You're going to pick one of the big 10 schools at their records where they're at right now. Michigan state just won. So they're eight and two. Whoever has the most wins at the end of the year. So I'll tally up each win for each team and whoever has that team, whether it be you or I, that's a point. Okay. At the end of the year, we'll think of something one of us has got to do. We'll put it on Twitter as kind of like a gag deal. How about that? All right. So it's total wins for the teams that we get to pick. Yep. So like you say, you, you pick Rutgers and your first pick. You get Rutgers' current record, whatever they get at the end of the year will be. And then if you pick Maryland, you add the two together, win totals and losses. And whoever has a greater win total and lesser loss total, obviously, is the winner of the challenge. Do that for the remainder of the year. And I get a first pick. I get to pick whoever I want, huh? You get first pick at snake style. So it'll go you, me, round one. Round two, it'll be me, then you, and then it'll yep. just flip-flop. Sounds like a plan. Well, you know what? I am a diehard Illini fan. I am, you... Tom, I am also a Tom Izzo fan, so I'm taking Michigan State with the number one pick. All right, Michigan State this year, 7-2 and two in the Big Ten. We're just going Big Ten records. So wait pick number minute, two. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're 8-2. and two. Eight and two, my fault. Yeah, you're you're right. They they they, they just won tonight. Yeah, my fault. No, I have to because I I was I made this list as it sits before they're playing their game. So when I look at it, I'm on account. I'm eight and two. Nice, nice. So well, you're taking pick one. Michigan State's off of the board. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Illinois. All right. Seven two on the season thus far. Pick number two, or number three, my second pick. I'm taking Iowa. At Iowa at six and three. So you have Illinois and Iowa. Yes, sir. You have Michigan State and whoever you pick next. All right. I'm going to take – that's a tough one. I'm going to take Rutgers. Okay. Rutgers is seven and three. Round three, you got first pick. I'm going to take Indiana. It's a solid pick. I see them really picking it up. They're five and four. They're 15 and five right now. They're playing well, man. All right, here's where the going gets tough. (laughs) Pick six, you kind of left it to me. Kind of threw off my plan here. Yeah. I was gonna. I expected you to take Illinois. Um, I'm going Maryland. Good pick. At six and three currently. So Michigan State, Illinois, Rutgers, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana are all off the board. Yeah. Pick seven, my uh, tough one. I'm taking Minnesota. Not a bad pick. Five and five. Pick eight. All right, pick eight. I'm gonna throw a curveball at you here. <clears throat> After last Saturday. I think this squad is getting tired of losing, and I think Juwan Howard's going to motivate him a little bit. I'm taking Michigan State. They just uh, suspended Xavier Simpson for a game. I don't know if you saw that or not. I did see that. Uh, Michigan is 5-5 five and five on the year. Sorry. Go ahead. You got her again. Pick nine. Oh, man. 
Yeah, this is where it's going to be fun. Um, let me see here. So Michigan, Minnesota, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, yeah. Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan State are all off the board. Man, you got I, I know who I think I want to pick, but I also would like to check what's going on like at the moment as well. I'm going to take Penn State. Speaking of that, did you look at that game right now? Who's winning? Penn State's up 11 with nine minutes left. So here I am. I take Indiana, and they're they're getting their butts whooped by by other team. I think so. You know, I didn't know if you cancel out my first win. I kind of did you dirty. I didn't know if you saw that they were playing tonight or not. <laughs> I saw that Indiana had been losing when we started the episode, and I'm like, "Well, it's pretty close, you know." And we'll see how it goes. And then I pick Indiana before I check, and then I, I don't check the score until I pick the second team who's waxing them. So that's cool, you know. All right. <laughs> so that leaves Wisconsin, Purdue, OSU, Nebraska, and Northwestern. What a lineup. I'm taking Purdue. Because that's another team that's I, uh, four and six. I really see turning it around. I don't know how, but somehow that, that well, roster's too good. They show they can play with the best of them, so. The beating or Michigan State, right? Exactly. So, I'm gonna throw a curveball because they may never win another game ever again. Uh oh. Because they just got shellacked tonight. Yeah, I saw it. I'm going Northwestern. There you go. Someone's got to give the Wildcats some love. Jordan Anderson would be proud of you. Yeah, pick 11, Northwestern's off of the board. <laughs> there you go. Pick 12. I'm going back up to the middle of the pack. The head coach up, up north there at the at the Cole Center still has some faith in his squad, so I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Wisconsin's at 5-5. Five and five. And your and last – Kings only averaging about 10, 12 a game. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping those boys can still figure it out. My last pick. Oh, wow. Such a lot of, lot of good stuff to pick from here. Uh, I guess I'll take Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State is 3-6. and six. <laughs> And yeah. that, that, that leaves me Nebraska. Go Huskers! At two and eight. All right. Let's see how this goes. So a rundown. Jay's got Michigan State, Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. I've got the Illini, Iowa, Maryland, Minnesota, Purdue, Northwestern, and Nebraska. I think it's going to be a heck of a matchup. It's going to go down to the wire. I bet it'll be the last game of the year besides the winner. I will – let's see. I'm going to add these up real quick before we get out of here so we can see all of our point totals real quick. All right. I'll add up both records for us. So, let's see. Michigan State, eight. Rutgers, seven. Indiana, five. Oh, crap. I fat-fingered the keyboard. I knew this would happen. This may take a minute. That's all right. Michigan State, eight. I had Rutgers at seven. Indiana's a five. 15, 20, Wisconsin, 5, 25, Penn State, 4, 29, Ohio State, 3, 32, Michigan, 3, 35. Yeah, you're 35. Let's see. Seven. Here, seven. 
6, 13, 6, 19, 5, 24, Purdue, 4, 28, Nebraska, 30, Northwestern, 31. Is that right? Yeah, 31. So, as it sits now, you're beating me by four, but I have a lot of teams that don't play till tomorrow and Saturday, so. Yeah, and I got two teams that are already out, so. That's going to – we started this a little late, but, I mean, we'll still have some fun with it. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good idea. I'm glad you thought of that. See, that's why you're the brain behind this. Because if it was just me, we'd be blabbing for hours and hours and hours, and that's it. Well, we still blab for an hour. Well, yeah, but you throw all the fun stuff in here. You got your trivia and stuff going on, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, that's just the content that we bring you here at the Jane Kale Show. Heck, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so let's see. Wrap it up. Got the Super Bowl. Had that conversation. Had some Chris Bryant talk. That was a always much needed Cubs talk. We'll get into them dirty birds as soon as the, something arises. Yeah, no kidding. You'll be waiting for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Cubs just got a lot. Cubs just got a lot of drama going on, which isn't ever fun. It's not good drama. So. Let's see. Got that Super Bowl. The Illini broke that down just a little bit. And let's see. That's that's it, ain't it? I think that's about it. Lots of good stuff coming up this weekend. Absolutely. You hear J.I. again uh, on the sidelines Saturday morning, 7 to 8. Um, that's the next time you'll hear from J.I. until Monday morning or Monday afternoon, whenever you listen to our podcast. We'll try to get something out. might be relatively short on Super Bowl Sunday, that Super Bowl Sunday is going to be strictly the recap of the Super Bowl and recap of the Illini from Thursday and Sunday. How's that sound? Can't wait. All right, Jay, that's going to do it for us today, man. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for having me, brother. Hey, no problem. You're the, you're the I'm telling you, you're the uh, anchor to the show. I'm just hey. uh, here for the stats. Hey, man, like I said, that's stuff I can't do. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it takes two to tango. That's right. We're a good tandem. Jay, I'll talk to you Saturday. Sounds like a plan. We'll see you.